keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Good morning, Adrian. It's uh, I've got I'm uh, getting over a stomach virus. I'm very happy to be here, and uh, 
thanks be to God, it, it went away. Usually it doesn't go away until 3 in the morning, and so I'd be here exhausted. So I'm just right now uh, dehydrated and uh, very happy that it doesn't hurt. So very glad to be here. A good day to our day, and uh, that's it. There's no volume. Hey guys, so what we're doing here today, we'll be talk, we'll be uh, reviewing what Tucker Carlson uh, spoke out last night on uh, on Twitter, and uh, also the Connecticut lawmakers had defeated an assisted suicide bill for the eleventh year in the row, and later on in the show we'll be talking about fortitude and perseverance in this ungodly age that we live in. I've not seen anything like this before in my entire life. So it's uh, quite interesting what's going on now. But uh, yet, <clears throat> the big news yesterday all over the, the U.S. at least is uh, what, what Tarko Carlson came out and said. He, he didn't say much of, of anything as reflecting or touching upon what's going on with him as far as uh, why he was let go or why he left Fox News. But uh, he offered some hope for those of, uh, that follow him and, and, and cling to his every word. He uh, really detests that the lack of coverage on certain topics and the overcoverage of ridiculous com- uh, coverage, such as the trans issue, how it's, it's just taken over everything, and it's just simply ridiculous. See um, all the situations uh, happening around the world and i'm 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 actually kind of hopeful about the situation with tucker carlson being uh, ousted from fox i think it may end up being a positive development but let's begin at 15 past the hour like tito said we're going to be talking tucker carlson at 30 past the hour kinetic lawmakers defeat a assisted suicide bill for the 11th year in a row plus in the next hour we're going to be talking about persevering in a most unholy age and as always, we have our Fear and Trembling game show coming up. And the prize this week is from Catholic Answer. So you're going to want to tune in for that. You're going to be wanting to win that prize. But let's begin in prayer. We're going to pray to the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus. We're going to be praying for that, uh, for your intentions, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. Let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost, grant that by the gift of the same spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to the Catholic Drive Time Show, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Thursday, April 27th, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency has reported a survey of new priests showing that most pray the rosary, go to Eucharistic adoration, and their parents stayed married. More than 450 men are set to be ordained priests this year, and the survey of their ordination class shows that the overwhelming majority of the priests-to-be were raised Catholic in, in intact families and individually showed habits of frequent church service and regular prayer life and attendance of daily Mass. 
The seminaries to be ordained, also known as ordinands, are overwhelmingly cradle Catholics. Catholic News Agency has reported Canadian parents have pushed back against a gay pride flag in the Catholic school district. Some parents who objected to displaying the gay pride flag loudly disrupted the meeting and shouted down the first speaker. After security, security removed some of the parents from the meeting room, many continued to vocally protest the proposal from the lobby. Police eventually arrived at the board meeting, at which point many of the parents left. There were no arrests, nor were there any reports of violence, property damage, or physical injuries. Just as in England, it is taxpayer-supported, and so there is some government oversight at these schools in Canada that are Catholic. Catholic News Agency has reported the Vatican announced Wednesday that there will be lay people participating as voting members in the Synod on Synodalities October Assembly. Cardinal Grech told CNA the decision to include lay people as full members does not undermine the true nature of the Synod as a meeting of bishops. It will remain a Synod of bishops, he said, but it enriches all of the church to have the participation of others. So on my point, so it's no longer called the Bishop Synod? And finally, Asian News has reported in a historic agreement, Washington pledges to deploy nuclear weapons against Pyongyang, which is North Korea, and share information about its nuclear program if, in return, Seoul does not develop its own nuclear arsenal. Those were your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 6, verses 44 through 51. Nobody can come to me without being attracted towards me by the Father who sent me, so that I can raise him up at the last day. It is written in the book of the prophets, and they shall all have the Lord for their teacher. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns comes to me. Not that anyone who see, has seen the Father except him who comes from God. He alone has seen the Father. Believe me when I tell you this, the man who has faith in me enjoys eternal life. It is I who am the bread of life. Your fathers who ate manna in the desert died nonetheless. The bread which comes down from heaven is such that he who eats of it never dies. I myself am the living bread that has come down from heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had much to say about today. I want to focus on simply one thing here, the question of free will. Cornelius Alapide says here, Observe, the word draw does not signify coercion or necessity, nor is it opposed to free will, as if it took it away from man, as the Lutherans and Calvinists suppose. Stones and wood are drawn in this way, but with men... It is a man's own pleasure, his liberty, not necessity by which he is drawn. You show sugar to a child and you draw him towards you. You show a green branch to a sheep and he who draws you draw her towards you. Both are drawn by the enticement of food. In like manner, the will of man is drawn as iron by a magnet. Thus was St. Agnes drawn to Christ by the secret power of his love. We are drawn, says Cyril, by monation, doctrine, revelation, ineffably produced. Listen to St. Augustine in this passage on track 26. Do not think that thou art drawn unwillingly. The mind is drawn also by love. And by and by, how do I believe of my own will if I am drawn? 
I say it is too small a thing to be drawn by the will. Thou art drawn by pleasure also. What is it to be drawn by pleasure? Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give thee thy desires heart there thy thy heart's desire. There is a certain delight of the heart to which the bread of heaven is sweet. Now if the poet might say, His own pleasure draws everyone, it is not necessity, but pleasure which draws. It is not obligation, but delight. With how much greater force ought we to say that man is drawn to Christ, who delights in the truth, who delights in blessedness, in justice, who delights in life everlasting, which is altogether Christ. And shortly afterwards, show me a lover, he feels what I say. Show me one who desires, who is hungry, one who wanders in the wilderness and is thirsty, who sighs for the fountains of the eternal country. Show me such a one, he knows what I say. But if I speak to one whose heart is cold, he knows not what I say. The same writes, he said not he will lead, but he will draw. That violence is done not to the flesh, but to the heart. Wherefore, then, dost thou marvel? Believe, that thou, believe and thou comest, love, and thou art drawn. Do not suppose that violence is rough and troublesome. It is sweet and pleasant. The very sweetness draws thee. Is not a hungry sheep drawn to the green grass? And I think it is not impelled by the body, but drawn by desire. So also do thou come to Christ. Do not contemplate a long journey. Where thou believest, thither thou comest. For to him who is everywhere, we come by loving, not by journeying. This is very important to keep in mind. And something that I think is often lost in today's world. Because what do we talk about? We talk about we have to... Uh, go on a journey with people. We have to meet people where they're at and accompany them on their faith journey. But here Cornelius Lapide is saying, for to him who is everywhere, we come by loving, not by journeying. Because our Lord is present in all places. Our Lord is an omniscient, omnipresent. And so we come to him not by going somewhere, but by loving him. And this happens because our Lord draws us to himself. He doesn't draw us to himself in a way that is abusive of our will, but instead he does so by enticing us, by giving us the truth, by giving us goodness, by giving us beauty. It is whenever we see those three things, the goodness, the truth, the beauty, when we recognize them and we recognize what is the source of those things, which is God himself, that we are enticed by it, that we are drawn to it like a child to candy. We are drawn to Christ. And so our Lord draws us, so let us be drawn. Do not resist the grace. Instead, accept it. Cooperate with it. That's the message for today. Let's cooperate with God's grace in our daily life. Hey, Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1. One says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, I was actually at the... Yesterday, last evening, yesterday evening, I was at the event with the um, National Museum for Funeral History. There you go. I knew I was going to get it. The National Museum for Funeral History had the opening of their exhibit for the Shroud of Turin. And uh, I went... Cardinal Donardo was there to bless the exhibit, and it was really cool. I gotta admit, it was really, really cool. I highly recommend checking it out if you're in the Houston area or might be traveling through. It's one of the only places in the world that has a exact replica, a certified exact replica of the Shroud of Turin. It's the the fibers are even made out of the out of a very similar fiber of the actual Shroud of Turin. It's as close as possible to a one-to-one creation, um, short of having our Lord resurrect a second time. Um, so it's really cool. Very, very cool. I'm very excited. And I'm going to be going to the talks tonight, which means I'm going to be very tired tomorrow. I'm going to be going to the talks tonight with the experts uh, from 7 to 9 o'clock at, at – actually, I don't know the top of my head where it is. But you go to National, uh, National Funeral History Museum. You can find all the details there. If you're going, let me know. And I'd love to come say hi to you, and uh, it'd be very cool to meet you. It's a so. Christian school, Protestant Christian school. There you go. There you go. And the exhibit, the the talks, I'm very excited for because I think it's like the coolest thing ever because they're the people who worked on the Shroud of Turin, and they're going to be the ones giving the exhibit. So I highly recommend if you have not, if you uh, are in the Houston area and you have a free moment this evening, it's from 7 to 9 p.m. Check it out. Head over there. I'd love to see you and love to meet you. So I will be there. Um, but, yeah, praise be to God. So we were going to be talking about the story with uh, Tucker Carlson. He came out on Twitter and posted a video already. So it's very interesting that he is out and now talking to the public. And so, Tito, whenever you're ready, can you uh, play that video of Tucker Carlson playing uh talking about the mainstream media i thought it was very interesting what he had to say you got it coming up and so what did Tucker carlson and what he was talking about was uh, was very telling to me he was basically revealing what the uh mainstream media and what the both parties are about nowadays and i thought it was very revealing so take a listen And so while we wait for that, uh, we'll go through with what he said. So in the video, Tucker Carlson talks about this. He says the, let's see, LifeSite News put out an article 
uh, talking about what he had said. He says, Carlson, who was photographed with his wife earlier Wednesday driving a golf cart in Florida, the email reporter who quickly chatted with Carlson before he headed off to dinner with his wife, described in the ousted host as gleeful and without a care in the world. In the Wednesday night video, Carlson said, one of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuine nice people there are in this country. Kind and decent people. People who really care about what's true and a bunch of hilarious people. And a lot of those, uh, he says. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. According to Carlson, the debates that rage on the nightly news likely won't even be remembered in five years. They mean nothing, he said, adding, trust me, as someone who's participated. He said, the amazing thing is that issues of real importance get sidelined as people squabble over minor issues because political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them and they and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. The undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources, he continued. Uh, when was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Notice he says American media and not leftist media. He says American media because he's talking about all media. Because remember, this comes after he gets ousted from Fox News. Now, uh, however, Carlson also struck a hopeful tone, suggesting that orthodoxy of the day are inherently ridiculous, that they'll inevitably fail. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive, he said. They're afraid they've given up persuasion and they're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true calmly... And without embarrassment, they become powerful, Carlson said. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink, and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. Carlson concludes saying, see you soon. So that's kind of the, the message. Uh, that's the message he gave out in that video. And I think it's very important to keep in mind because, okay, what does he do here? But he reveals what is going on in the mainstream media. That many things that these, these narratives are kind of set and that most of the time they do not matter, which is kind of why I, we do, there's a lot of topics we simply just don't talk about because they just don't really matter. I want to talk about stories that matter. I want to talk about things that actually affect our day-to-day -day life, that affect our children that affect our future, that affect the faith. These stories are the ones that really matter. These stories that are being pushed by these uh, by the mainstream media, whether it be on the right or the left, is not actually anything that's worthy of talking about a lot of the time. And a lot of the things that do matter are, you're not allowed to talk about those things. Those things are foreboding. In fact, and it was kind of funny because I was talking about this and then I got an email from YouTube this morning saying that our GRN Online channel, our YouTube channel, GRN Online, just got a strike by getting our one of our videos taken down. And guess when that video was put up? It was put up two years ago. Two years ago, that video was put up, and it's been deleted because it has gone against the orthodoxy set out by YouTube. 
And the fact that they can come back, and there's no statutes of limitations on what YouTube can uh, can ban you for. And so that's the dangerous thing. You can be rocking your YouTube channel. You can be rocking your news media outlets online. And at any moment, they can decide, you know what? We don't like your channel. And so what they do is they would go through and shift through or sift rather sift through all of your videos all the videos of your past and find something two three years ago that you may have said something that goes against their policies and say oh uh, we didn't recognize this until just now and then they find a bunch of them oh look at that you had four strikes all in one day uh, i guess you're off our platform and they just kick you out so I think this is actually very good news to see Tucker Carlson leaving Fox News because wherever he goes, it's going to be good for that whatever he joins. If he ends up joining Rumble, that's going to be a huge market boost to Rumble. If he ends up joining the Daily Wire, the Daily Wire will explode in popularity. Whatever he ends up doing, it will cause people to go to that platform because Tucker Carlson is the largest uh he appeals to the, the largest audience of the older generation. I say the older generation because uh, myself, honestly, I actually have never seen a single one of Tucker Carlson's uh, segments, not even once. And that's not because I have anything against him. It's just I don't watch cable news. I, I just never do. I haven't since I was a child and it was just on TV. Very, and Very healthy lifestyle. Well, I mean, it's not really because I watch news. It's just not cable news. <laughs> it's, uh, it's other news on YouTube and I read news online and I look at news on Twitter. It's just not it's just that's just not the way people my age get get the news anymore. That's just not it's just going out of style. And Tucker Carlson leaving Fox. So many people are are predicting to say, no, Fox News will be fine. People, they're going to replace him just like they have in the past. I don't think so. And the reason why I don't think so, the reason why I don't think Fox News is going to be okay is because that may have been true because Fox sets the, sets the news. They decide who's popular. That's no longer true. The reason why that's not true is because the younger demographic is not tuning in to Fox. They're not paying for cable to begin with. The people who know, who are my generation, who know who Tucker Carlson is, they know who he is because he's on other platforms in clips. We see his clips on Twitter. We see his clips on YouTube. We see his clips all over the place. But we don't actually watch the entire show. And that's really the problem with Fox News. That's the problem with these mainstream media. And because of this, we're going to see this uh, change. However, there is a downside to this. The downside is that the left media sets the narrative for the left. So CNN sets the, the tone and the talking points of the left. However, the right, Tucker Carlson was probably the furthest to the right that you could get on Fox News. And the right's news channel, like Fox News, they don't set the talking points for the right. Instead, they set the overtune window. And so if you are going to be on the right, the furthest possible to the right you can possibly be before they're like, okay, that's too far, is Tucker Carlson. And Tucker Carlson would say things that other people on Fox would not. They would, he would question narratives that other people would not. He would bring out stories that other people would not talk about. And if the mainstream media doesn't talk about it, well, then it's not newsworthy. And why is it not newsworthy? 
because they didn't talk about it. And so it's a vicious cycle. It's a it's a circular logic. It's kind of like whenever I believe I can't remember what news site it was, but one of the news sites came out and they said, uh, why aren't you all talking about X story? And they said, well, X story is not newsworthy. He said, what makes it not newsworthy? He said, because we're not talking about it. <laughs> it's like, OK, well, there you go. And that's the problem with Tucker Carlson leaving. I think he'll do great. I think he'll be fine wherever he goes. But I think a lot of people will be lost in this because they only list, they only watch cable. Uh, people over a certain demographic only watch cable. And this is the problem. And this is why we need alternative platforms and why we need to appeal to people to try to come to our alternative platforms. This is why we push our email list. This is why we say radio is it's so good that we're on radio. Because at any moment, like we were talking about, YouTube can just get rid of us on a whim. But they cannot just get rid of us online on our radio station. That's not possible. They can't just banish from radio. It, becomes, it has to be a whole process. So that becomes a very safe place to be. It's a protection of freedom of speech. Now, freedom of speech, of course, is not unlimited, as we've seen. But what's interesting to note is that freedom of speech, especially for people who are commentators, is very, very wide. Which is why it's very concerning that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came out and she accused Tucker Carlson of inciting violence. Now, inciting violence is a crime. It's a crime. It's a federal crime. And so he, she is actually accusing him of committing a federal crime. Now, incitement to violence is a very particular thing. Incitement to violence does not, is not protected speech. But incitement to violence has to be something that is you're calling for, quote, imminent lawless action that it's likely to produce. Now, this is a test that we learned, and I did not, not by any means a lawyer, but in my classes for on, on the First Amendment, well, we talked about this. And it's very, very clear that the law protects you unless you're calling for imminent lawless action in which it's likely to produce. Has Tucker Carlson done that? I would argue he has not. And I would argue that it's very, very dangerous to accuse one of the most popular hosts in America of a federal crime. I think that's very, very dangerous. And in fact, if I was Tucker Carlson and I had the money he did, I would sue for defamation. That's bad. But when we come back, I want to talk about a bill that came out banning suicide. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. 
I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, April 27th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines for this morning. Crux has reported a diocese of Lansing priest barred from active ministry in 2002 following a complaint that he sexually abused a minor, has pleaded guilty to a criminal charge related to the complaint and is expected to serve one year in jail as a result. He pleaded guilty on April 25th to one count of first-degree criminal sexual conduct. The charge stems from the sexual assault of a five-year-old boy in 1987. Vatican News has reported Pope Francis entrusts his visit to Hungary to the Blessed Virgin Mary. As is his custom, since the beginning of his papacy, Pope Francis goes to the Basilica of St. Mary Major ahead of his next apostolic journey, which will take him to the Hungarian capital of Budapest. The Pope will visit the Hungarian capital this weekend from the 28th to 30th of April for a visit which will take him to the heart of a Europe upon which the icy winds of war continue to blow. CatholicCulture.org and Catholic News Agency has reported the Vatican is preparing a document on divorced, remarried couples. Cardinal Farrell, the prefect of the dicastery, said the document would address, quote, those experiencing marital crisis of all kinds, end quote. He said that, at the wish of Pope Francis, special attention should be given to, quote, men and women who, having a failed marriage behind them, live in new unions, end quote. The Cardinal did not give a timetable for the release of the document. And finally, as Adrian reflected upon, LifeSide has reported Tucker Carlson breaks his silence with a brief video on Twitter after his Fox News ousting. In a brief video posted on Wednesday night that he has already racked up more than 14 million views as of this announcement, conservative powerhouse Tucker Carlson made his first public comments since his Monday firing from Fox. In his remarks, which didn't touch on his highly publicized departure, he said there's still hope. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. Now, this story out of Connecticut is very interesting to me. This story out of Connecticut is uh, says the Connecticut law, law uh, let me restart that, Connecticut lawmakers defeat assisted suicide bill for 11th year in a row. Now, this is a uh, good news. I'm glad that this is happening. And that the for the 11th straight year, the Connecticut debate they defeated the assisted suicide bill that the 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 Senate there has been having assisted suicide trying to be legalized there, and it's been shot down 11 times. However, I think this is very concerning. Actually, a lot of people are coming out and reporting this as a good news story, and I'm glad this is a good news story. I'm a, I'm happy that this is happening. However, this is a a plan that the left does over and over and over again that we've seen. This is a strategy. What they do is they find a topic that is controversial and they will bring it up for debate and they will do so. What does this do? What does this accomplish? Well, first and foremost, it accomplishes setting the stage to have a conversation about it. So first and foremost, now people are talking about it, where before everyone agreed that 
assisted suicide is wrong. But now you're hearing people debate on whether or not, oh, maybe it's wrong, maybe it's right. Maybe let's have a discussion. This is what they did with abortion. This is what they did with gay marriage. This is what they're currently doing with the trans issue. Now this is something they're doing with assisted suicide. So what do they do? The left has an amazing propensity for the long game, where they strategize and they work and they try to inch away just little by little. They do the slow march through the institutions. They have gradualism. They take just a little bite. And we've done this in the pro-life movement. We've had great success. But they're doing it here. So left in a year in a row, this comes up. Now, what does this succeed in doing? Now, one, what we just discussed, it sets the conversation. So now people are talking about possibly it being okay. The second thing it does is it wears people out. Oh, I was really motivated to vote the first time. Maybe the second time. Maybe the third time. But the 11th time? The 12th time? The 13th time? Remember, in California, the gay marriage bill was shot down four times. Four times in, in California. And it wasn't until the federal government came out in which it became legal in all of California. This is very concerning to see. And this is something that we have to be aware of, something we have to be vigilant of. Because this happens over and over again. They're going to try to desensitize you to the conversation. They're going to try to say, oh, yeah, oh, you're going to be five years down the road. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, you know... I'm against assisted suicide, but, you know, I can understand how some people might want to do it. They're going to try to chip away at your morals little by little. And you won't even notice. You won't even notice it because that's the strategy. Just take a tiny little bite and they try and that's how they win. That's how they win. They've done it over and over again. So it's good that this is happening. And but at the same time, let's not put our heads in the sand and pretend that this is not happening. Because what they do is they try to indoctrinate you and your children. Because this is a debate, they're going to be able to talk about this in their schools. And the schools will be able to have this conversation and be like, oh, yeah, this uh, this particular issue is up in the Senate. Uh, this is what we're going to be learning in a civics class or we're going to be learning in government class because this is a relevant topic and it's up for debate. It's not a settled issue. Clearly, it's not a settled issue because we're debating it for the 11th year in a row. This is how they have these conversations, which leads us to our next story published by Tim Cass News. A article by Adrian Norman says schools scrapping homework deadlines and shift to equitable grading. Students and teachers say that the new system has created a culture of apathy. Under the new learning formats, homework and deadlines will be a relic of the past. As educators move towards ways to measure what a student knows at the end of a term, rather than grading throughout the entire term, which some say can introduce bias by penalizing behavior. We're giving children hope and opportunity to learn right up until the class is officially over, Michael Rinaldi says, the principal of West Hill High School in Stamford, Connecticut. The National Board Association, the National School Board Association, began pushing the idea of equitable grading years ago, advocating for a system where teachers weigh more recent performance and growth instead of averaging performance over time. This system would also encourage teachers to permit tests and project do-overs, replacing previous scores with newer scores. This is very interesting to me. And a lot of people are upset about this. 
because it's coming from left-wing sources and the Wall Street Journal is endorsing it and all these bad schools and bad people are endorsing this idea. Though, I don't know if I'm upset about this. I don't think I am. I think that this makes some sense. Is this the right answer? I don't know. Maybe. I'd have to give it some more thought. Maybe talk about it with some people. But But, equitable grading so that everybody gets an A? Um, That's not what they said. Okay. What they're saying is that everybody gets to uh, try again. So if you fail an exam, you can retake it. And if you retake it and you do better, we'll take the higher grade. Uh, Same thing with projects. If you had a project that's due and you did bad on the project, you can have a do-over. This, I think, is not a horrible idea. No. Um, I don't know if this is the right idea. I'm not necessarily endorsing it, saying that this is the way to go. Uh, But I do think that it's, uh, it's, it's something because our education system is so bad. It, it's not working. And so clearly something has to change. Is this the right solution? No, maybe not. But I think it's certainly on the road to a solution. Now many people might argue, well, this is not how real life works. You don't get do-overs in real life. Uh, you need to get it right the first time. At your job, are you going to be able to say, oh, I'm sorry I messed up. I get to redo it. I get to try again. Well, maybe, but maybe not. It just depends on where you work. But I think that's a, it is interesting to note. So I don't know. Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe this is the way to do it. But are we teaching our kids that they can uh, do things haphazardly? haphazardly? They can do things without giving full effort and then say, okay, well, I just have to find out what I did wrong and then I can do it better the next time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. It's a very interesting idea for sure. I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on this topic. Maybe during the after show, during the 30 past the next hour, you can join us on our social media streams and give me your thoughts. I'd be curious, especially for people who are in schools. I know this is something somewhat prevalent in universities. My professor, Dr. Rebar, he would do this. He said um, it wasn't so much a, a redo as it was He said, okay, this is the due date for the paper. If you would like, turn in the paper early, and I will grade it ahead of time, give you corrections and everything, and I'll give it back to you, and you can make those corrections and turn it in on time. So it's kind of a middle point here, so he's not letting you do a redo. You're just writing the paper early and then getting help from your professor. So maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's the more encouraging way. I don't know. It's definitely an interesting idea because I just I, the the modern school system is so broken. It's not good, and it has to be has to be fixed. I mean, ideally, I would say we should just homeschool our kids and not do a deal with all this homework and things like that. It's kind of crazy how kids spend roughly twelve hours a day in school, and about approximately seven hours at school, and another five at home doing homework. It's not it's not conducive to a flourishing child. It's kind of crazy that we give over our children to these, to the education system for so many hours a day. So it's an interesting topic. I'd be curious of your thoughts. Uh, when we come back, there is a interesting and great story out of uh, Texas. Uh, they're banning or hoping to ban China from owning property in the state. Plus, why you should stop using Gmail. I'm, I'm going to admit I use Gmail. I love Gmail. But... Maybe we should stop using it. I'll tell you why after this. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament. In Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus was once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, uh, it just seems so lacking. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, I was uh, looking at this story, and it's very interesting to me, because why do we allow why do we allow foreign countries to own our land? Uh, here, this headline says, Texas Senate set to pass a bill banning China from owning property in the state. Property ownership restrictions would also apply to Iran, North Korea, and Russia. Now, I'm glad that they're doing this because I don't think that our enemies should own land in our country. China, Iran, North Korea, Russia. However, why do we allow foreign countries to own, own our land? Democrats. What does that even mean, that they own our land? Because they're foreign countries. Like, they, they are not, they're not America. Like, if, could, could America, could the United States just buy other countries? Like we're just going like, to, oh, we're going to buy every available lot in your country, and now we own your country. Is, it, is that how that works? Uh, looking forward to buy Greenland soon. Oh, yeah, that was, a, that was how, talked about whenever uh, Trump was president, right? Yes, yes, that, that was a great talk. It, it was amazing that we almost did after the end of World War II, and we didn't act on it because we didn't realize how, the resources there. It, nobody did. Now that we understand that there's certain types of minerals, rare earth minerals that are needed for certain technology devices, such as uh, RAM or memory, and, same thing. And so uh, now Greenland has begun a hotspot, and uh, I, I think we'll get it eventually. Denmark's a tiny little inch of a country, so uh, well, they, they'll be looking for some dinero. Well, the story here, under SB 147, the entities associated with, quote, a country that poses a risk to national security of the United States, and each of the three most recent annual threat assessments of the U.S. intelligence community will be prohibited from purchasing farmland, timberland, mines, and land with oil and gas rights. The countries named the bill include China, Iran, North Korea, and Russia, in addition, the bill would apply to governmental entities as well as companies headquartered, held, controlled, owned, or have, which have the majority of their, their stock owned by citizens of those countries. 
Now, this bill is actually a watered-down version of an earlier bill that aimed to outright ban land sales to dual citizens and businesses connected to those countries. I think that's probably the better thing to do, but I'm glad something happened rather than nothing. And this is something that needs to be pushed in every single state, not just Texas. I'm glad Texas is doing this, but this has to be everywhere. Why is this not a federal thing? Why is the federal government not saying we're not going to allow our enemies to own our land and use our resources? That is a, it's kind of absurd to me that we would allow this to happen. In fact, I might even argue that we should repossess that land. No, I don't know the details of how that would work. I imminent guess you have domain. To pay for them. They can use it under imminent, imminent domain is one option where it's it's crucial to the development or for some other purpose of the government. Yeah, but I th- I, my question is more, um, do we pay for it or we just take it from them? Oh, no, As for uh, if, we're the, if our enemies are using our land, um, is it, is it, would it be better to, to be like, okay, we're going to buy the land back from you or be like, oh, we're, we're just going to take this because you are stealing our land? No, let's buy it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, let's see. Kalkhorst amended the language of the statute in March to clarify the bill would not apply to dual citizens or homes that were homesteaded. Despite the revised verbiage, the legislation is being decried as racist and is receiving opposition from Asian American Texans. Is it really? I've never even heard anybody talk about this. Doubt it. That I, I haven't even heard of anyone any of my Asian friends even bring this up as a topic. Better yet, any of my Asian American friends saying that they're upset about it. I, I, I'm actually out today, later today, I'm going to text some of my friends and ask them if they even have heard about this story because I'm going to guarantee you that they have not because this is simply not something that is uh, well known. I mean, I didn't know about it until this morning. I did hear about the original law, but it kind of, when it was shot down, I didn't realize that it was brought back up in a different form. So that's very interesting. The, this is discrimination against Chinese Americans, says Jian Zi, a member of a multiple North Texas organizations, which with ties to the Asian and Chinese American communities, per the Dallas Morning News. We're going to continue calling members of the House of Representatives to express our concerns because this is unconstitutional. Is it? Is it in the Constitution to say that foreign entities can purchase land in in the country? Nope. And I, I bet you that he is affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party. They they fund everything. That that he would not have said anything unless he was told to do so from their his authorities back in Beijing. I I bet you a hundred won that uh, that's that's what's going on. Ramini. Hundred won. That's probably not worth anything, is it? Nope. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, it's interesting because. That that is the case. Any Chinese uh, American, any person who was was Chinese citizen, was a Chinese citizen, up to three generations American, is watched and has a handler by the Chinese government. So that kind of does signify that if this man is in fact a Chinese American citizen, meaning someone who was a originally a Chinese citizen came to the U.S. It would not be surprising at all nope. that this person is involved with the Chinese Communist Party or at the very least in communication with the Chinese Communist Party because they kind of have to. They don't really have a choice in the matter. So that's a very interesting point that I think is interesting. And I think this needs to be pushed in every single state. Oh, this law I, I would should lo- be there. I agree. I, I want to add that the Communist Party in China, they have newspapers set up and funded all across the U.S. They've got cultural centers 
Confucian uh, academies. Those are all communist run directly from the Communist Party headquarters in Beijing. They are not uh, anodyne. They are not inoffensive. Those are purposely there to keep the propaganda, to keep the Chinese expatriates on the same page as a communist government. There are many, many social groups, social groups that are, quote unquote, by uh, led by uh, Chinese Americans, Americans of Chinese descent or heritage. And and they are also funded by the Chinese communist government. It is not like your fraternal organization of Italian-Americans or the German-American Association or any of the the local Mexican uh, association groups where they are independently owned or operated uh, and funded locally. No, 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 no. Investigate. Do your due diligence. You will be amazed by the depth and the breadth of the Chinese government tentacles in controlling their expatriates here in the U.S., yeah, there you go. I think it's a, that is a very important thing to note and something to keep in mind. I, I think Epic Times talk, talks about this all the time, actually. Yep. So I recommend checking out the Epic Times for uh, more information about those kind of stories. And now this story here, speaking of being spied on, <laughs> the simple reason why you should stop using Gmail. There you go. I, uh, I gave you the, the punchline before the headline. The, the reason why is because they spy on you. Then they censor you. Uh, here, LifeSite News Andres uh, Walzer, or maybe it's Andres, uh, says Gmail and other big tech email providers can read your emails and even stop you from receiving certain communications. Hmm. Did you know that? Yep. It's been going on for. I've known about it for a year. I don't know how long it's been done though. They like email blast sent from Mailchimp or Constant Contact or any of those other third-party organizations, they have to uh, receive, Gmail can block certain organizations from receiving or delay the delivery or put them in spam. They are are tricky sons of guns. Those guys are no bueno. I, I, and, and you know what? I agree with you. It is so versatile. It is so powerful. It is so easy to use. There's so many components to it and, and and to you to operate it with it is difficult but if you can do it i would like to plug fidei.email f-i-d-e-i dot email that is a catholic run organization run by traditional latin masters that have offered they recognize the threat they recognize the bigger threat of being canceled by all the social media platforms email is one of and radio are one of the few uh, quote-unquote social media uh, categories that can not be canceled. So check those guys out, fide.email. For $5 a month, you get high-quality email service and your own name. So the story continues. Google keeps profiles of users and even their children based on the information they receive from you using their services. Their high-quality products are free because you and your data are the product. Many people by now are aware that Google products track everything that the users do so that Google can profit off the data they collect. Search results on Google and on YouTube, and which is a, is a part of the same company YouTube owns, is owned by Google. With these manipulated search, search results, they can sway elections, not only in the U.S., but around the globe. And according to the extensive and conclusive research by Dr. Robert Epstein. However, this is not the only concerning thing Google does with your data. 
Many people are still under the impression that Gmail, since it is not a social media platform, cannot be manipulated. Unfortunately, this is not the case. LifeSite News spoke to a source with an intimate knowledge of the matter who noted that all mail sent through Gmail is archived and the contents of your email gets scanned by an AI algorithm that builds profiles on you and those you communicate with via email, including, for instance, your children. Even as even an email, listen to this, this is wild. Even an email drafted in anger but ultimately was not sent, is stored by Google. Furthermore, the metadata gleaned from emails you deleted gets permanently stored in your user data profile as well. This is very, very concerning. So if you ever sat there and you were just really mad at your boss and you typed up this long email, really just furiating, just screaming and yelling in your email, and you're like, okay, I got that out, and you went through and deleted it, Google saved that email. It has access to that email. And this is very concerning because these major media companies, what concerns me is what happens when they decide that they want to blackmail you, when they want to blackmail the people in the highest levels of authority in our country, when they want to get everybody on the same page and they just say, hey, if y'all don't fall into line, everything goes public everything that's very concerning very scary thought so personally i don't know i gotta figure it out because i use google drive i i really like google drive and they save everything there everything you type every paper you wrote anything you've uploaded to google drive gets saved by google and i use that platform quite a bit so that's very concerning to me same be concerning to you and we're going to be looking to get a guest, Dr. Robert Epstein, on to talk about this issue some more, get some tips towards online privacy. But that's going to do it for today, or for the first hour, rather. When we come back, I'm going to read to you a letter about a persevering and a most unholy and unchristian age. A message of hope, one might say. So we'll be right back with more right after this short break. in life, we've got to keep focused on the goal, and the goal is heaven. The key to winning is choosing to do God's will and love others with all you've got. Sacrifice, discipline, and prayer are essential. We gain strength through God's word, we receive grace from the sacraments. And when we fumble due to sin, and it's going to happen, confession puts us back on the field. So if you haven't been going to Mass Weekly, get back in the game. We're saving your seat on the starting bench this Sunday. Welcome home. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't-miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, 
and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for vocations to the priesthood. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for priestly vocations? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Faith, hope, charity. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Megan. You're listening to AM fourteen thirty. KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. So many stories in the news that's really bad. It's just bad news all the time. This is a no bueno, one might say. You know, it was interesting because a friend of mine had attacked me on Twitter. I thought it was kind of funny. As somebody had made a, made a comment, they said that uh, that one guy you know, and all he does is talk about bad news. He said, guy who shares nothing but bad news all day, but is the happiest person. And my buddy uh, tagged me in and said, that's Adrian. And I was like, that's true. Uh, all we do is talk about, talk about bad news. But I'm never, I'm never depressed. I'm never, I don't have this kind of um, despair. And the reason is because... I know that Christ is king. And I know at the end of the day, all that really matters. Everything else can fall away. Yes, I want the country to be great. Yes, I want to have a Catholic nation. Yes, I would love it if our bishops were amazing and protected and defended the faith. Yes, I would desire that. I would desire sin to be eradicated. I desire that perversion be away from society. But what I know for sure, well, at the end of the day, none of that may ever happen in my lifetime, maybe not in your lifetime. However, what I do know is that all that matters at the end of the day is my own actions, is my own actions. I can control what I do. And I can choose to be a sinner or to be a saint. St. Thomas Aquinas said, what must you do to go to heaven? Will it. If you will to go to heaven, you will get there. What does it mean to will it? It means to know how to get to heaven and to take the actions necessary to get there. 
And it's and it's a very encouraging thing because people can do anything to you, which is why our Lord says that we should not fear those who kill the body, but those who can kill the soul. And who can kill the soul? That's only us. That's only you and I. They can ridicule us. They can mock us. They can defame us. They can take away everything. And they can even take your life. But what they cannot do is they cannot force you to sin. They can never do that. For that is your own decision. Now, this letter Dr. Peter Kwasniewski put out on 1 Peter 5, he says, To a friend on persevering in a most unholy and unchristian age. And it's really in the same spirit of this. And I thought it was excellent to something to read, especially right now. He says, Dear friend, Judging from what you say on social media, you seem to be in a theological and spiritual tailspin. Are you letting yourself get consumed with negativity? In the church, as in the world at large, there is plenty of evil, no doubt about it, and therefore plenty of cause for despondency. The political trends are ranged against the divine law and natural law, from which we are receding at warp speed. Our shepherds are either asleep on the job, cavorating with wolves, or busy lycanthropizing themselves. I need not go on about how many particular problems that afflict us on all sides. The question always is, what are we going to do with that negativity? Will we face it down by the power of the holy name of Jesus? Or will we let it enter into our house like a rot or a nest of termites, take up residence in our fibers like a cancer, and finally dominate us? I can't help thinking of Denethor and the Lord of the Rings, the steward who gazed into the Palantir and saw the inevitable defeat of the good, which was making a pathetic showing at best, and the irresistible triumph of Sauron, seeing in short just what the enemy wanted him to see and despairing. You came to mind when I was at Mass in the traditional rites on Passion Saturday and read at the end of the Gospel of the day. Let a little while, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, that darkness may not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. In the enveloping darkness, we will still know where to find the light. It's true that our Lord speaks as if the light is available only for a certain time and then will be taken away. But he also implies that those who believe in the light become light themselves. As when he says, using a different metaphor, the water that I will give shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And then he hid himself. There are at times when he does hide himself in the world or in the church, but the light is not extinguished in itself or in the believing and loving soul. There, the light can burn even more brightly in the darkness. Like a mighty paschal candle whose single flame is enough to banish the shades of night. Catholicism isn't primarily about the church, that is, the church on earth, her structures, the institution, the laws, the works, the affairs. It's about union with Christ, which is the church's reason for existence. In baptism I died and rose with him. 
in the Eucharist, I receive him. There is no other reason to belong to the church except to guarantee life from the life and light from the light. The church gives me access to him by divine guarantee, and that's why I'm a Catholic. I'm not a Catholic in order to have access to clergy or even to the glorious liturgies. I welcome the good clergy and the good liturgies because they lead me closer to him, who is my life and my light. He is the measure, the meaning, the goal of all of it. The church on earth has been corrupted in her hierarchy and some other ages too. But we survived those centuries by God's grace. The church is still here. And more importantly, Christ is still among us and within us. Because that abiding presence, periods of renewal followed, ignited by this or that good reformer or reforming movement. Not everyone who lived during the dark time got to see the renewal that came later. Human beings usually don't live long enough to see major changes from good to bad or bad to good, which tend to move at a glacier pace in comparison with a normal lifespan. Unlike certain voices out there who think that they are putting things in perspective by reassuring us that we are passing through just another crisis and not the worst among the many crises in the Church of God, he has to face over 20 centuries of history. I believe we are looking at historic nadir of the Catholic Church on earth next to which the Aryan crisis in the 4th century or the Protestant revolt in the 16th century look like rough drafts. Yet anyone living during the life of St. Athanasius of Alexandria could have placed what would have seemed like a highly probable bet that the Nicene Orthodoxy was doomed and would disappear as a matter of course. And anyone living in the middle of the 16th century might have been tempted to make a similar prognosis for Europe congested with ecclesiastical corruption and ravaged by false reform. The same is true now. There are those who are asserting that the papacy is empty, or that there are no chance of recovery. We are too far gone. We are doomed. Tradition-loving Orthodox Catholics are, hope, are holding to an impossible position. They are a trivial minority. They could be crushed in an instant by the gears of power. That is what our Catholic denethors see in their internet palantirs but why should we think satan finally has god stumped has him backed into a corner from which there is no escape do we think so highly of satan's power and so poorly of god's at the end of the day there are two alternatives faith or nihilism for the thinking man it comes down to these two and the only goal in life is to become a saint or to die trying the saints are madmen, but so are the atheists. I would rather cast my lot with the saints. Call it an updated Pascal wager. I would rather take all my chances on the promise of eternal life with Christ than throw away the hope of it for the sake of ethereal gains. I'd rather bet on the hidden power of Christ, which burst forth in flower in every soul that prays, sacrifices, and loves then surrendering to the skepticism that looks around at the world and says, that's right, it's a gigantic, meaningless mess. Or, the church is a gigantic, hopeless mess. It's not what it claims to be. Either Christ lied or he's abandoned us. Or Christianity is a gigantic system of guilt-driven repression and exploitation by which pastors profit at the expense of the sheep. Now, reading the biography of the Trappist abbot Dom Gabriel Soras taught me a valuable lesson. Sortas had a fiery temperament, was politically involved, was engaged to be married, but then he heard a call to monasticism, and he dropped everything, 
and became a Trappist monk. In his simple vows, he entered into total darkness, where he could no longer think of God or religion without distaste. He kept making acts of faith. And after three years, one day, the darkness simply vanished like clouds giving way to the sun. Shortly after, at the age of 33, he was elected abbot of the community and took up a burden that he most certainly didn't want. He then entered a second darkness, this time with the virtue of hope. He could not believe that God loved him or wanted him to be in heaven. In fact, he believed that he was predestined to be damned and that nothing could shake that conviction. This darkness lasted much longer than the first, but he kept on with determination, praying simply out of love for God, as he said at the time, even if I am a sinner and a castaway, God is still good and deserves my love. So I'll give him all that I can. His fidelity and love throughout this time of interior misery won the day, and when that darkness was lifted at last, he emerged into peace and confidence that nothing could ever shake again in spite of terrific trials. And the same thing can be said about St. Teresa of Lisieux, St. Therese of Lisieux, who had this. Many of the saints have had this. Mother Teresa, yeah. And the story ends in a positive way. At one point when I was in college, someone recommended to me that I read a bit from one of the Gospels every day to get to know Christ better, to meet him anew. It sounds way too easy and simplistic, but there's much truth in this advice. As I said earlier, he is the reason I am doing what I am doing, or at least I want to be true that he is the reason. And why? No man has ever spoken like this man. He's the only one in the human race in human history who seems to know reality through and through. Mine, yours, everyone's, everything's. If he's not the real deal, the one worth following, the one worth living and dying for, then nothing is. Because nothing else holds a candle up to him, or rather, all the other goods are candles. And he is a light itself from which they are ignited. Now, the letter goes on, and I highly recommend checking out the entirety of this letter. Go to 1 Peter 5 and read this letter in full. Because it's very good. It's very beautiful to recognize, yes, it's okay to say, the answer is not to say that there is no crisis. The answer is not to bury your head in the sand and say, I don't want to see it. The answer is not to say, I'm happier when I'm blissfully ignorant. No, instead, the answer is to say, I was made for this fight. And the Lord of the Rings reference is a great reference. I'm so glad that it was brought up in this article because it made me think of the time when Gandalf says, why must I have been, or the, not Gandalf, whenever Fro, uh, Frodo tells Gandalf, why must I have been born in times like these? And Gandalf tells him, it is not to us to know or to choose when and where, and why and how we are to be born. But instead, what is given to us is the time and the ability to do the actions that lead us to the truth in our times. Now, obviously, it's a paraphrase of what Gandalf said, but the point stands. We are in a fight. We are in a fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. So let us be prepared to fight the fight and win the battle and reach heaven. And remember, the saints in heaven are there cheering us on. 
So let's go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. With that in mind, you can call in 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. We take the first call, and we'll be right back for Fear and Trembling right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to meditate on Christ's passion. Wouldn't it be great if everyone meditated daily on our Lord's passion? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. If Jesus brought two of the greatest Old Testament saints to meet with three of the greatest New Testament saints at the Mount of Transfiguration, can you say with any assurance that they were not alive, aware, and able to communicate? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Luke 9 says, quote, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Did you catch that? They were talking with Jesus. That means they have cognitive capability. Secondly, heavenly friends. Those in heaven long for your prayer requests. Their intercession far exceeds your best friend's prayers here on earth. Sorry to say that. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. Well, Oral Roberts University has the prayer tower. TBN has a prayer department. Your home church probably has a prayer hotline. Well, guess what? Heaven has on-demand, pure, unselfish prayer warriors known as the great cloud of witnesses. They're waiting on you. Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And that's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could win. The game show is very simple. It's not difficult. You can win. I guarantee it. In fact, even if you know nothing about the Catholic faith, if you're not even Catholic, you know nothing about the faith, all you have to do is call in and you're going to have a 50-50 chance of getting each and every question correct because I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Tito the questions and he's going to give me an answer. And it's going to be your job to tell me whether or not he's right or whether or not he's wrong. You'll have 15 seconds on the clock to guess whether or not Tito's telling you the truth or he's trying to deceive you. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, 
Thank you, Adrian. The Fear and Trembling Prize for this week is a Catholic Answers book by Dave Armstrong on popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. The book is called Word Set in Stone, available now through shop.catholic.com or at a Catholic bookstore near you. Thank you very much to Catholic Answers for your generous sponsorship this week. And we have a caller on the line. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning to you, Rebecca. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, where are you calling from? From Midland, Texas. From Midland, Texas, the home of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Praise be to God. And what parish do you go to there in Midland? Oh, the call dropped. Uh, call back in. The call just failed. I am so sorry. I don't know if that's a problem on our end or your end, but Becky, call back in. We'd love to have you back on, and we'll put you right on as soon as you call back in. That number, 877-757-9424. Becky, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. There you go. Sorry about that. Okay. Your, your call just that uh, <laughs> just failed on us. But where do you go to? What, what parish do you go to? St. Stephen's. I think I've been there. I think um, whenever I we came for our GRN retreat, I want to say that Richard, it might have, was it Richard? I don't even remember anymore. We took us to, I think, all the parishes in Midland because there's like not that many. <laughs> and so we just visited yeah. uh, all of them and it was really nice. So there you go. Oh, but praise be to God. I will hopefully we'll get to uh, I'll hang out at your parish whenever we have our GRN retreat coming up at the end of May. But Becky, where okay. are you off to this morning? Uh, off to work. Off to work. With my daughters at IHOP. Nice. Praise be to God. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> Yummy. Um, I'm I'm actually sending a text to my mom right now saying, Mom, why do you not take me for breakfast at IHOP? Um, <laughs> Becky does it with her daughters. Why won't you do it with your sons? Okay. That's message sent. So I'll let you, I'll keep y'all informed if she uh, sends me a message letting me know that I'm going to IHOP after this. I'll keep y'all informed. But, Yay. Hopefully but Becky, uh, good morning. I'm glad to hear it. How was your Easter as well? It was different this year, but it was it was a blessing. Um, had to take care of my mom, so I was not a table able to attend mass for the first time in years. Oh, kind of strange. But I was thankful to be with my mom. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to be with your mother. But yeah, that's. Whew, sad day, sad day. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, yeah, family, family is very important. And good it's, job. It's true. If you, it, fun fact, this is not a trivia question, but it is according to canon law. If you have to take care of someone who can't make it to mass, then you don't have to go to mass. That doesn't mean you shouldn't. Uh, it should be some. Now I got people like, oh, I got to, I got to volunteer at a nursing home on Sunday, so I don't have to go to church. No, that's not what that means. But uh, if you have to stay with someone who is in need and cannot make it to Mass themselves, then, of course, you are dispensed. Uh, all righty, Becky, are you ready to play the game? You're familiar with how the game works. I know you're a CDT insider, a well, well-worn uh, listener. Yes, I am ready. All right, let's do it. Uh, Tito, question number one goes to you. Are you ready, Tito? I am ready, Adrian. All right, let's do it. The question on the board, what group formed in 1933 to serve as a watchdog of movies. As a watchdog of movies, I, I really like this part because I, I like movies, and, I, and early on in my reversion, I looked into this, 
It's the Legion of Decency. The Legion of Decency, you say. What a name. Yes. That's an interesting name. It sounds, is. Sounds like a supervillain name or super... It does. It's like the Legion of Doom. Yeah, you better watch <laughs> out. The, the, the Legion of Decency is coming after you. Uh, so very, very cool name. Sounds made up to me, to be honest. Sounds like out of a comic <laughs> book. But all right. Becky, what say you? The question on the board, what group formed in 1933 to serve as a watchdog of movies? 15 seconds on the clock. Tito seems to think it's the Legion of Decency. Uh, what say you, Becky? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he trying to trick you? What say you, Becky? I think he's wrong. You think? Are you sure you think he's wrong? Uh... Yes, I think so. All right. She says you're wrong. Oh, Becky. Yes, he is, in fact, correct. It is, in fact, a Legion of Decency. It does sound like a superhero name or a supervillain name, like a group. It does. Um, but it was yeah. it was created by the bishops in America, actually, and they would give ratings to movies to say whether or not the faithful should watch them. Uh, but they were later disbanded after the 1960, around 1967, I believe. And they were haven't done it since. And I wish they would bring it back because it was, yes. uh, it was a good influence on the movie industry. Because they said, imagine if you know, the bishops came out and said, if any Catholic watched this, this movie, it would be a mortal sin. And then they just lose the entirety of the Catholic audience across America. It really forced Hollywood right. to do good things. So. I say yeah. bring it back. I say bring it back. Yes. But don't worry, Becky. I am sure you're going to get the next two questions correct. I know it. These questions looking over here, and you're going to nail it. I just know it. Are you ready for number two? Yes. Let's do it. Tito? I'm good to go. You're good to go. Yes. The question on the board, are there saints well, in purgatory? Oh, 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 oh. Well, they eventually all go to heaven, so yes. Yes. So you're saying yes. I'm just using uh, logic here. Okay, so you're yeah. saying a saint is someone who goes to heaven. Yes. And everyone in purgatory goes to heaven. Yes. Therefore, there are saints in purgatory. Yep. All right, that makes sense to me. All righty, Becky. The question on the board is, are there saints in purgatory? Tito seems to think that the answer is yes. 15 seconds on the clock, Becky. What say you? Is he right? Is he wrong? What say you, Becky, from Midland, Texas? I say yes. She says yes. Way to go, Becky. Good job. Yes, in fact, his reasoning is correct. Everyone in purgatory is a saint because they are sure of going to heaven. They're the church suffering. So there you go. Praise be to God. Let's pray for the souls in purgatory today and think about that. And I always try to say a prayer for the souls in purgatory whenever I eat. I say my blessing and then I ask for intercession for the souls in purgatory. Uh, all righty, Becky, are you ready for question numero trace? I am. And are you familiar with what language Trace is? <laughs> I believe so. You you believe so? You so you knew that it was actually uh, Swahilian. <laughs> All right. Yes, yeah, she knew no, it. I did not. As she did Swahilian, know. Swahilian. I, I, I love it. She was Swahilian. It's Swahilian for three. Little known fact. All righty. Let's go into numero Trace, Tito. The question on the board: 
Are you ready? I am ready. Are you sure you're ready? Raw. This is a hard question. Okay. All right. Take a deep breath. Here's the question. (laughs) In canon law, is canonical age from the birth date or the date of baptism? Oh, well, using logic here, baptism falls under canon law, so I would say baptism. You're going to say baptism. Yep, the date of baptism. All righty. You're going with baptism. I'm on a wing and a prayer. You're a wink and a prayer. All right, Becky, the question on the board is, that in canon law, is canonical age from the birth date or the date of baptism? Tito seems to think that it's a baptism, which would be kind of weird because my uh, friend got baptized last year. Which would make him one years old canonically. One, but uh, that's that's gonna be what uh, what Tito's going with. So fifteen seconds on the clock in canon law is canonical age from the birth date or the date of baptism. Fifteen seconds on the clock, Becky. What say you? Is it baptism or is it the birth date? What say you, Becky? Ooh, that's a hard question, but I I'm gonna go with Tito. I'm gonna agree. Are you sure you want to go with Tito? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, last, last chance. I'm gonna agree. You're, you sure go. you're gonna agree? You sure you want to agree? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> she said no. I heard no. She's thinking you're wrong, Tito. <laughs> that is correct, okay. Becky. Yes. Wow, Becky. <laughs> First try. Nailed it. <laughs> no, the answer is birth dates. It is uh, canonically your age is the day of your birth. Otherwise, if you're because uh, you can't receive communion to the age of reason, which is seven. So if you got baptized when you're twenty, you couldn't receive communion until you're twenty-seven. That would be kind of weird. So it is in fact your birth date. Yeah. So praise be to God. You nailed it, Becky. <laughs> Could not trick you. You got it first try. So stay on the line, Becky. We're gonna make sure we get your contact information so we can send you the prize. Should we draw your name tomorrow? Alrighty, Becky. God bless you. God love you. Happy Easter. And that's going to do it for our first hour, or for the, for the show today, actually, for the show on the radio side. If you want to join us for the after show, you can hop on YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook, and we'll interact with you directly as long as our big tech sensors will allow us to. And otherwise, we'll see you back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Day of the third week of Easter. The Mass is being offered for all of our online viewers and for those listening on Guadalupe Radio Media.
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Ye sons and daughters of the Lord, a king glory adored, this day himself from death restored. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia! On this most holy day of days, to God your hearts and voices raise in laud and jubilee and praise. Alleluia! In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, let us feel your compassion more readily during these days when, by your gift, we have known it more fully, so that those you have freed from the darkness of error may cling more firmly to the teachings of your truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and head south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, the desert route. So he got up and set out. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, that is, the queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury, who had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit said to Philip, Go and join up with that chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? So he invited Philip to get in and sit with him. This was the scripture passage he was reading. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will tell of his posterity? For his life is taken from the earth. 
Then the eunuch said to Philip in reply, I beg you, about whom is the prophet saying this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture passage. He proclaimed Jesus to him. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there is water. What is to prevent me being baptized? Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and Philip and the eunuch both went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but continued on his way rejoicing. Philip came to Azotus and went about proclaiming the good news to all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Bless our God, you peoples. Loudly sound his praise. He has given life to our souls, and he has not let our feet slip. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Hear now, all you who fear God, while I declare what he has done for me. When I appealed to him in words, praise was on the tip of my tongue. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Blessed be God, who refused me not my prayer or his kindness. Let all the earth cry out to God with joy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. the charism of inspiration, the evangelists of the Gospels go to great lengths to show how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything from the Old Testament. In a way, you could say whatever the prophets of the Old Testament can do, Jesus can not only do that, but he can do more. Today's Gospel, we see another example of that when Jesus tells them, your ancestors gave you manna in the desert, kind of a reference back to Moses feeding the Israelites with the manna from heaven 
when he prayed to God to deliver it, but that manna was perishable food that came and went. The beginning of the sixth chapter of John, the great Eucharistic discourse, we hear the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which in a way is a miracle to show whatever Moses could do. Jesus, too, is a great prophet, and he can provide bread for those who are hungry, as he did in feeding the 5,000. But of course, because Jesus is not just a prophet, but because he's actually God, because he is the Son of the Father, he can give something much more. Jesus gives the bread of life. He gives the gift of eternal life. It's interesting in sacred scripture that there are two different words which are used for the word life in English. In the inspired language of Greek, the original text, there is the word bios, which means life, from where we get the words like biology, biosphere. And that is a reference to our regular day-to-day -day human life that we live and experience. But then there is also the word for life called zoe. And zoe is a reference to the fullness of life that we are going to experience in heaven when we are in communion with the Most Holy Trinity in perfect love. But also that this gift of zoe or this gift of life that God offers already here on earth, we have moments at least where we feel we have a glimpse of it where we experience something more than merely our day-to-day. -day. To give an example of it, I remember for me, one moment like that was back in May of 2004. I was a relatively newly ordained transitional deacon studying in Rome, and I was there in St. Peter's Square on the day when they canonized St. John Mola. St. Johnna, you may recall, was the Italian mother who, in the year 1962, while giving birth to her fourth child or during her pregnancy, had a fibroma, and her health was going to be at, put at risk if she were to deliver the baby. And she prayed to God fervently and even told the doctor, she said, if you must choose between me and my baby, save the baby. I will give my life for her. She gave birth to a healthy baby, and she died shortly thereafter. In 2004, at her canonization, her entire family was present at the canonization, and at the beginning of Mass, someone walks forward and presents the relic of the newly or to-be-canonized saint. And in that occasion, it was her daughter, Jana, who the mother had given her life to save, who was there with her family carrying forth the reliquary to present to the Holy Father. I just remember sitting there in the square kind of with goosebumps thinking, this is something unimaginable to think this mother giving her life for her child and here she is celebrating her mother as a saint, presenting the reliquary of her relics to the Holy Father at the mass of her canonization. The way that you see the grandeur and glory of God's plan and what he's capable of to say even in the tragedy of death that we can experience the tragedy of a newborn or of a mother losing her life shortly after giving birth but to see in God's plan something much much more is able to come from it these are the moments that we experience maybe from time to time which orient us toward eternal life because when Jesus speaks about feeding us with the bread of life when he comes to us in the Eucharist, this is really the orientation that he's giving us. It isn't merely food for the body, but it truly is food for the soul 
to help transform us to become like Christ in order to experience his life, to be conformed to him, and to experience the joy of his resurrection. Today's first reading in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who was a person of well-to-do means as a courtier and in charge of the treasury of the queen, we see someone who experiences life and probably in his time would have experienced the best of what life would have had to offer in terms of the luxuries of this world. And yet we see within him a longing for something much more. And Philip, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, stops the carriage, gets in, and explains to him the sacred scripture. We see the dynamism of grace at work. Philip, inspired to proclaim God's word, the eunuch prepared by the Holy Spirit to be open in heart, to listen to Philip, explain to him the scriptures, and he is converted and baptized. He had a nice life according to worldly standards, but he knew it wasn't it, and he wanted something more. My brothers and sisters, for us today as we go forward in the sacred mass, let us truly give thanks to God that he feeds us with the bread of life, with Jesus in the Eucharist. Let us ask for the grace that we would always aspire to live the fullness of life, that we would be on the lookout for God's grace working in our lives, and that we would truly experience this zoe, Jesus leads us to his resurrected life. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and for all bishops for their physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all bishop, we pray for all government leaders that they would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to enact just laws that would protect and safeguard the sanctity of human life from the first moment of conception to natural death and laws which would never transgress the natural law. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering. They would be given consolation in their faith experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those joining us online and through Guadalupe Radio Media, and for those enrolled in the Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Christ the Lord is risen today. Christians, haste your vows to pay. Offer you your praises meet at the Paschal Victim's feet. For the sheep the Lamb has bled, sinless in the sinner's stead, Christ the Lord is risen.
more to die. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. O God, who by the wonderful exchange effected in this sacrifice have made us partakers of the one supreme Godhead, grant we pray that as we have come to know your truth, we may make it ours by a worthy way of life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, O Lord. But in this time, above all, to laud you yet more gloriously, when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. Through him the children of light rise to eternal life, and the halls of the heavenly kingdom are thrown open to the faithful. For his death is our ransom from death, and in his rising, the life of all has risen. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exalts in your praise. And even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabao, Pleni Celi et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith 
We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Audemus indicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuo, adveniat regnum tuo, fiat voluntas tua, sicud in celo et in terra, anem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, Et imite nobis debita nostra, sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God 
Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. At the Lamb's high feast we sing Praise to our victorious King Who has washed us in the tide Flowing from his wounded side Praise we him whose love divine Gives his sacred blood for wine Gives his body for the feast, Christ the victim, Christ the priest. Where the paschal blood is poured, Death's dark angel sheathes his sword. Israel's host triumphant go Through the waves that drown the foe. Lamb whose blood was shed, Paschal victim, Paschal bread, With sincerity and love, Taste we manna from above. Let us pray. Graciously be present to your people, we pray, O Lord and lead those you have imbued with heavenly mysteries to pass from former ways to newness of life through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Regina Celi Letare Alleluia. Quia quem meruisti portare. Alleluia. Resurrexit sicutixit. Alleluia. Ora pro nobis Deum. Alleluia. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee, through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Leon Fontana from St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. You're listening.